Hello and welcome back. After a brief hiatus, we're going to uh, <laughs> to fitness or fiction. Yeah. Cutting through the hype. So today we uh, we get to re-enter the scenario and we're going to start doing what we actually want to do, which is discussing a particular topic and also rendering a judgment, fitness or fiction. Yeah, indeed, deciphering. But before we get there. Oh, you want to talk about the wins. I want to hear wins from the week. That's a good idea. I like it. It's technically been three weeks. Yeah, you can choose anything. I, I know mine. You got some good wins you want to discuss? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, you go first. We're having a third baby boy. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest of wins. <laughs> That's a lot of boys now. Coming February 2022. February, baby? Yeah. What's that horoscope? Do you know? Mm. It's a fire sign, elemental Capricorn. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's February 2022 and it's a boy. <laughs> that's that's what I got for you. Have you ever seen... Uh, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Fitness or fiction? Okay. Well, let's hear a win from you, sir. Oh. Um, I don't have many wins. You were sick on vacation. Yeah. That's, You're alive. That's a win. I'm recovered you from... You made it through. You can get sick from things that aren't COVID. Hashtag not COVID. Yeah, it was not COVID. But yeah, I got really sick on vacation. So I spent the majority of vacation in bed. I was upset when I heard about that. You don't get a lot of vacations in the first place. That's not something I was super excited about. Yeah, but I'm having my second wedding in two weeks. Some would identify that as a win. Yeah, I've I never had a second wedding, so right. I'm yeah. super important. I'm gonna be on the mic for you there, right? I'm kind of a yeah. big deal. <laughs> yeah, big deal. Get to, <laughs> get two. Well, that's I'll I'll take that as a win. A, you're alive. B, you get to get married a second time. That's exciting. Yes. Usually people and wait. And I didn't for even like, get divorced. Yeah, I know. Usually people wait for years for the second <laughs> one. <laughs> like even I'm gonna redo my vows. It's like 20 years later. You're like, oh, it's been a couple of months. Yeah. Diane, I'm still we'll gotta in. recommit because I'm starting <laughs> to feel a little hesitant about all this. <laughs> no, I'm still good, Diane. No, trust me. Trust me. It's good. <laughs> We're cool. Yeah, that's fine. It's whatever. Nice. Okay, so the question for today. Um, spot reduction, targeted fat loss, um, zone-specific fat loss. Uh, is it fitness or fiction? Mm -hmm. If you look at some of the marketing products out there, it definitely looks like it's fitness. There's many fitness products out there that burn belly fat. So, yes, there is. And it's almost taken for granted where you've seen like, ooh, burn tummy fat. Um, target the hips and thighs, like all this sort of stuff. And it's marketing driven off of what people want, but I don't think that it's actually what happens. And I think it's pretty fair to say that. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that here. Mm -hmm. So the real question for me is, okay, does it exist is one thing, but the other question that's kind of looped in under that, that we're kind of trying to address here, if I'm on the right track is, is it appropriate to talk about it as though as it, it exists? Mm. Is it appropriate for a marketer to actually say that this product is going to do this? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to identify. So we're not going to spoil anything yet. But before we get into the actual question, we can talk about the issue a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is fair. There's essentially four things, right? Um, so the first issue that you run into is how do you know that it is or isn't targeted fat loss or zone specific or whatever else? So a lot of the studies that we're going to talk about, it's like, well, they did lose tummy fat when they were doing this, this, and this for a diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. The the issue that we have 
when we run into this with research is like, okay, so they did lose body fat. Okay, that's check mark one. Can we suitably prove that it was only from that area? Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's our first thing. You have anything to say on that? Nope. You want to get at the second thing? I can't see the second thing. Gender? <laughs> gender. Yeah. Does gender play a role? Um, you had, this is your teacher's yeah, writing. I know here. it's pretty bad. No, I don't know that you could call that teacher writing. That's that's a disgrace to teachers. But um, okay, so gender, essentially, are there going to be differences? And people get really sensitive on that topic right now. But typically, if you were to look at the general leaning of different genders and and hormone profiles, you're going to see typically female gender is going to have more fat deposits uh, in the lower body. So mm -hmm. hips and thighs and things like that. Men typically are going to have more fat deposits in the upper body or mainly the gut. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's three different types of fat. And the three different types of fat are subcutaneous, which is like the jiggly stuff just under your skin. Those guys that have like the big power gut, that's visceral fat in between the organs. That's some of the most dangerous. There's a third type actually. It's called brown fat. That sounds gross. That's like, that's fat to keep people warm. So like infants have a lot of it. Adults don't have a lot of it, but it's up in their like chest and back and stuff. Mm. Um, but those are the three types of fat. Um, when we talk about that versus where it's deposited, it's not really, you can't just say it's just a gender thing. It's more of a hormone profile thing, I think. Um, but the idea is different people store fat in different ways. And you can, you can push that towards like, well, this is hormonal. Um, but the real question is, can you choose where it comes off when you know that it deposits in a specific way? And we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. um, genetic is the other one that looks like gender, but isn't with my horrible writing. Genetic. Um, so genetic, you're going to have a genetic predisposition for where you want to store fat. So when you have somebody that's very young, they have a specific area that they tend to store fat. That doesn't tend to change much unless they make some significant um, adjustments to, to things like hormones, etc. Um, but that's the other thing. Um, so really what does it come back to? It's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, fat is going to deposit itself where it wants to. And that's going to have a few different places it can come from as far as hormonal, which tends to make up the differences for gender, I would assume. And then really it's, it's just going to be one of these things where it's like, okay, so how do we tell if it's actually coming off of there? So what does the research say? Let's start with some stuff you got there. Yeah, so I broke the research I did. I broke into three tests. I did a light, like a lower body test, kind of a midsection test, and then an upper body test. Um, they were kind of done all relatively recent. Like a bunch of the tests that I saw out there where they actually studied this topic specifically were a little bit older. So I was kind of looking for something like, we've had to study this recently. Like, doesn't somebody care? And even the tests that I look at, they didn't have that many test subjects. Like, there wasn't thousands of people in the test. But what I came up with is essentially, I had three tests, 2013, 2011, and 2007. Each test had anywhere between, say, 10 to 100 people. For the leg test, they essentially did a leg press with their one leg. And they did that for 12 weeks to see if that one leg would specifically show any difference compared to the other side leg. Wasn't it like 1,200 reps per session or something? It was 900 to 1,200 reps. So <laughs> it was it was 10 to 30% of their one rep max. And 
in my head, if I was going to do that study, if that was a study mean you would have done for those 12 weeks, I might have done a little bit more of like a periodized protocol for that single leg and like vary the rep range throughout the week so that it got like more appropriate stimulus other than just like extreme muscle endurance. I don't know why they decided to do such an extreme amount of reps. Yeah. I don't even know if you get oxidative stress as a stimulus there. Like it's a thousand reps, but anyways. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they would like, this was measured by a DEXA scan, um, which is a pretty accurate test of body fat. Their calories were actually, they were registered using like a food recall questionnaire, but the conclusion was that the test was ineffective. They lost a little bit of weight, but there was no real true difference in between those two legs. Right. The next one was a sit-up test. Um, This had like 50 people in it. They did seven ab exercises for two sets of 10 repetitions, five days a week. And they all maintained a specific calorie intake. Conclusion, no one's abs really changed that much aside from like a little bit of muscular endurance improvements. They were, the sit-ups became easier but they yeah. did not like lose weight in that specific area. Well, see, I got two on that as well. I ran into one from 83. Whoa, good year. Good year. Is that well, your year? Yeah, lots of good <laughs> stuff came out of that year. <laughs> Curtis Howden. <laughs> yeah, not as good as 84 though. That's when Sarah came along. So, mm. But um, in 83, uh, a guy named Catch and, and others, of course, did a, a study on sit-ups and it was essentially... Uh, we're going to do this many sit-ups and we're going to see exactly what happens as far as fat burn on the belly and it was very limited. Those studies I actually have a hard time with because when you look at total amount of fat lost in general, it's just not much anyway, so it'd be hard to tell if it actually happened. And then there was another one very similar by a guy named Vispute. Vispute. quite the last name. And others, of course, uh, but that was in 2013. And he did the same sort of setup where it's one group is going to be doing a whole bunch of sit-ups and whatever, and really no differences. So I think that it's it's one of these things where people really are being oversold the value of that. But I think there's also a problem with the research in my view, because you'd want to be above like 70% intensity. Like you'd want to do something that's loaded and challenging to actually make an adjustment. It's like, well, can I change my bicep? Well, <laughs> give me 900 reps of a negligible weight. And it's unlikely that I'm going to get any hypertrophy stimulus anyways. So, mm-hmm. so that's a challenge that I have with it. What's your next one? So the last study I had was an upper body test in 2007. This was one of the larger tests. It had 104 subjects. Um, they participated in 12 weeks of resistance training in the non-dominant arm. They didn't specify what the variables were of the training, and that's kind of what I'm curious as as a coach. But um, the nutrition also wasn't specified in this, so it kind of looked like no-holds-bar type deal. Um, in regards to what actually popped from this test, the men lost a little bit more weight than the women, but it was not localized to that specific arm that they trained. They kind of just had generic overall muscular changes. Um, yeah. And you know, even to your point, when you say like you would increase the intensity compared to that leg press test, I still just, it doesn't make logical sense to me that like, you know, the fat is in and around the bicep and that tissue, like the bicep, like the muscular structure is doing the work and the fat's just kind of hanging out around the general area. So to what, like to attach a, why that would actually just like start to decrease because something around the area is moving. Yeah, well, and there are a few things that could be given kind of direction, like the thermogenic effect of increasing blood flow to that area. Also, like the 
the biochemical response of having blood flow go there is going to bias carbohydrates to that muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So it's going to increase the the um, waste products being produced. It's also going to increase the temperature. And there's going to be a difference in hormone profile in that area. So like, I think where this comes from is are those things essentially driven from the thermogenic effect with more blood being there, more nutrients, more byproducts, more hormones. Yeah. I don't think that it's an absolutely crazy thing to say, but I do think that the breadth of literature that we look at, it really doesn't have solid, like large enough studies in, in the first place, but it also doesn't, it doesn't really have a design where I'm like, oh man, that was a smart design. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, if you can't even say this is actually a good stimulus for, for changing the muscle hypertrophy, uh, then how do you say, well, this is going to change? Or if I haven't done a study where I have a dropout rate of less than 30%, well, then it's, people aren't even getting through it. So that's, that's kind of a hard thing. When you talk about the thermogenic effect in like that localized area and the, the waste byproduct and stuff, I, I got into that a little bit, but what do you, like, say that that's a thing, say it's a hundred percent a thing. What's the percentile of effectiveness of it like it didn't like from what i was coming across it was not that high they're like oh yeah it's a little bit of a thing regarding the thermogenesis but so there was a recent study done by scotto um that's again an amazing last name i'm into it but um what he did was he actually did upper body versus lower body so his group they had some pretty intense uh, protocols that they were using and it was literally upper body versus lower body and then afterwards, what they would do is they would do some high intensity interval training or a higher intensity cardio. And they actually noticed a significantly uh, pronounced difference between losing upper body fat or lower body fat. Mm-hmm. The challenge is that the study was only 16 females. Mm-hmm. So again, it's such a small group. It's like, oh, you know what? Could something like that be effective? I think it, it maybe could. Like when I see people that are like competitive canoers like they don't use they don't have a lot of range of motion with their legs and you'll see that their their back and their their upper body is different my thing is that i think that there is i think there is a little bit of biasing i do i i think i think that you can draw your attention to it but it's got to be a pretty pronounced training effect and my issue would be like okay so if you wanted to say lose weight on your upper body why would you go through the the extra challenge to try to do that just with your upper body rather than using all of your musculature to burn more overall calories and more fat in general. Yeah. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, I'm trying to make that connection between between essentially this specific target fat burning, like what people are marketing, it seems like they're marketing magic, like the magic pill that's going to do all this work for you. And then when we like go to the research, there's like this fractional little bit of evidence saying like, oh, you can maybe do it a little bit like your example of the canoeer who's like way more jacked upstairs. It's not like the rule though, you know what I mean? It's like the exception, it's it's the 1% or the 2%, but it's being marketed as the magic pill. That's right. And that's the big issue for me. So, and then you'll look at these people that, okay, so let's, you've, you've seen the guy in the gym that looks like Mr. Incredible. His big upper body and his lower body is is really small. People always say what they want to say. They're likely jealous of his upper body, so they want to say there's something out of proportion or something. But it doesn't matter. Can you get more development on one side? Yeah, sure. Does he likely have less body fat on the side that he has more muscle on? Yeah. But the average person, I I have dealt with clients that 
if they gain one or two pounds, even though they're leaner, they're like, oh, I don't want to get too jacked. And it's like, well, you'd, in your in your view, you look way different. To me, you look a little bit leaner. I don't see a difference in size or anything. So most people wouldn't want to put enough work in that area to get the hypertrophy or the changes in size of their muscle that would elicit the difference in fat anyways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, there's a whole bunch of other studies that, that we haven't gone through, like, um, there was a study in 65 by Moore, M-O-H-R, and what they did was they tested ab crunches with a vacuum on one side, and they were like, yeah, well, there was significant differences in the function of their abs, and there was a little bit of difference in their circumferences, but they they lost almost no weight. So did they lose targeted? Who knows? It, like, it not really, not statistically significant. And then Olson and Edelstein in 68 did, like, one arm versus the other and they didn't notice any big differences and like when people draw attention to that they'll often mention tennis players be like well one side looks way better it's like well it it has more muscular hypertrophy a little bit but that's what makes the size look so much different is the extra contours Mm -hmm. so in my view this again that's the that's the exception like when you're talking about these tennis players i'm imagining that they're the professionals not correct not joe blow who's just playing tennis like one or two games every now and then. Yeah. When we're talking about like professional athletes, the rules start to change a little bit. Yeah. Well, and usually their diet's more in place and they're spending like 18 hours plus a week with that racket in their hand with massive speeds put on it. Like, Mm -hmm. so the big issue with, with all of this stuff is we don't have research to say that it technically doesn't exist, but we also don't really have research to say that it does. Like we have one study that is a small group of women that says, yeah, you can do kind of zone specific, meaning upper versus lower. But my question is, do you want to put enough energy into it to make that happen? And I would think that most people, the answer is no. They're like, well, listen, can I lose fat there? Yeah. You know how you do it? A caloric deficit and a well-periodized program. So, but the big challenge is marketing. Like the human brain wants to burn between two and 600 calories a day thinking. Mm-hmm. So when we find simplistic marketing, it's like, it's like crack because we don't have to think about it. Hey, do you want to learn, lose belly fat? Well, yes, I do. Click. Tell me more. Right? So part of the reason that we're doing this, you can correct me if I'm missing out anything from you, but part of the reason we're doing this is to make sure that people are thinking enough to not fall into common traps. Would that be true? That is the plan. Yeah. So... The question then comes for you is targeted fat loss fitness or fiction before i researched it i used to say that it wasn't really a thing and now that i've researched it more thoroughly than i have in the past and with your guidance and your research as well i would definitely say that it's again it's being marketed as a magic pill but i don't see the pill actually working properly Yeah, I, I would say pretty clearly that it's fiction myself. I'd, I'd actually go up and say, it is fiction. It's being made a larger thing than it actually is. And it's a common issue that I run into. So the mobility class that I run twice a week, I hear people say, I just need to stretch more. Oh, I've just got tight this, tight that. Mm-hmm. And the next thing that I say is, how long has this been going on? They say, well, I've, I've heard up to 40 years. 45 years is the biggest I've heard. And it's like, okay, it's been going on that long. But you think, like, you're viewing your body as like a mechanical structure, like a deck you built. Oh, this board was too short. That's not the case. Your brain is asking for that, and you've never learned how to train that joint. 
I think this is another example of that where the answer is complicated. So just taking a simple answer feels better. Mm -hmm. But my question to you is why is it socially acceptable to make these you're going to take the position my product can burn tummy fat why is it socially acceptable to hear something like that when we all know that that's not really true that's just the thing though is i don't think gen pop knows that it's not true and a lot of them want to believe the easy solutions because it makes it more comfortable to believe in those easy solutions that anyone who has their merit knows that like it takes grind and hard work and discipline and patience to achieve any sort of like figure or something respectable. But most people don't want to achieve that. Like most people don't want to believe it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everyone would have your biceps. <laughs> Back to the biceps. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that this topic is a hundred percent fiction. I would though, however, love to see us like an in-depth study with way more people. Like, I would like to see a recent study in 2020 or 2021 that had like a thousand people with much more specific training variables than a thousand reps at 10% um, with like specific nutrition guidelines. So we can actually put this baby to bed. And yeah. The question is, though, is if they did do this study and they put the baby to bed, who's going to stop these companies from marketing their garbage anyways? Like, is it the government's responsibility to come in and say, oh, no, no, that's that's false. That doesn't work. So you can't say that. Like, is it is it even really going to change? I think in in um, an open market that it is actually the consumer's responsibility. I've said this before and it maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. But if somebody doesn't like a social influencer, if they talk about the influencer and they talk about them negatively and then you go on their Instagram and they're following them. They're asking for that, so they've lost their ability to complain. Mm -hmm. If you're buying into it, then you have some ownership over it. It's kind of like if you voted, then you can complain about the vote. If you didn't vote, you can't really complain about it because you didn't make your voice heard. Yeah, I don't know how completely accurate that is, but it's, it's a similar sort of line of logic where it's like, yeah, well, if you don't want to see more of that, please don't buy into it, right? Yeah. And I'd love to put the baby to bed. I'd love to see... A, a better study done and i you know what there is there is kind of glimmers of hope out there but at this point we got to say based on what's in front of us it's fiction do you have a favorite body targeting product <laughs> i like the fat jiggler thing i've never seen that what is it oh it was like it's from way back like the i don't know i want to say the 50s i don't know how accurate that is but like it would be a machine and it puts like this band around your gut oh, and it i saw betty it. boop do that in a cartoon yeah it betty, was a thing back then yeah and it, it was even it was almost amplified by the fact that she had a pencil waist and like just this huge hourglass and you saw betty boop do it so it's gotta work <laughs> <laughs> oh man but like how about you tell me tell me some of your stuff you like sugar sweat you like what what do you like i did research too to talk about them quickly but they're not my favorite the two i researched one one was legit fda approved straight out of harvard harvard they're gonna come after me now because i'm trashing them oh no cool sculpting essentially it's cryogenically freezing your fat cells to destroy them and i checked their website and i looked into it and i started like looking into reviews and i was getting curious because i'm like is this actually a thing they basically just like 
target freeze that area and say the fat cells are going to die off in a couple weeks and then you're all good but then there's like a little disclaimer that it's like lifestyle changes must occur otherwise it's going to come crashing back and a lot of people i saw it didn't even really work it costs anywhere from 500 to 2000 dollars, and it's kind of like a maybe it'll work the other one is this product called sweet sweat it's essentially just a thermogenic cream with a band that you kind of like wrap around your targeted area to really dig that cream in there. You know what I mean? Get it in there real good. But it just heats up that area so that you sweat more. And it kind of looks like they label it that it's like a target-specific fat-burning product. But again, it's just you're just sweating in that localized area a little bit more. My favorite product, though, is one. I don't have a picture or a linker attachment, but it's this thing I've always seen where... You put it in your mouth and it has these little fly rods off of it. And then you just bob your head up and down <laughs> and it tones your jawline and it kind of just flaps like little bird wings. And the marketing is like, oh yeah, it's just tone up the jawline. You know, you want a nice jaw and yeah. it's just like bobbing your head back and forth. Well, and that brings up one last important point. If you don't have fat in a certain area and you increase the muscle, will you see more contour? The answer is yes. But the comment toning to me is inappropriate because that would, that is a word that I can, I have all sorts of issues with, but essentially if you are trying to lose fat by gaining muscle in that area, we're talking about the same garbage that we just discussed. So that as a claim in marketing is totally ridiculous. I used to explain it to people when they talked about trying to get a six pack because they're like, Oh, Eric, you have a six pack. How do I get one? Well, I don't do a lot of sit-ups and I don't do a lot of crunches. Honestly, just don't do a lot of core work in general. And I explained it in the sense of like your abs are muscles. And if you're like training that muscle, if you're trying to cause like, if you're doing like weighted crunches and stuff, you're trying to like stimulate a little bit hypertrophy in the abdomen, if you have a layer of fat over top of that, those abs, you're just kind of growing the tissue underneath the blanket, but nothing's really going to pop or show or change. Yeah. You got to deal with the underlying issue, which is. I don't want to see that much fat there. And I'm not even saying that everyone needs a six pack because I don't believe that, but hundred percent. I don't believe that. Yeah. If somebody's shooting for that, it's like, well, yeah, uh, a general fat loss program is going to serve you better than a couple crunches. Cause you'll actually burn more calories doing even a farmer's walk versus a, a sit up or a crunch. Like it's, it's just, it's been over marketed. So people believe it. Mm -hmm. I had a client recently that was shocked that he was able to lose 15 pounds in 11 weeks and he did it without exercise because he had significant uh, health stuff that was going on and that he was part of the reason why he was losing the weight was to prep for getting that fixed. But he said to me, you know, I'm shocked that we were able to do this. And I said, I'm not. And he said, why? I'm like, well, because you followed the process hundred percent. I'm not shocked. And he said, well, but I thought it would be hard. And I said, that's the actual issue culturally you've been you've been bred to believe that this is so hard to do that you're shocked realizing that the hard part is getting your mindset together and getting your commitment together and your planning together to follow the behaviors so at the end of the day you know fitness or fiction targeted fat loss at this point is fiction don't buy into it but the standard stuff that you know to be true, like I'm going to create a caloric deficit. I'm actually going to say be in like a 500 to 1000 calorie deficit a day after exercise that will work and it will consistently work. Mm -hmm. So do you have anything else to add on the topic? Just fiction. 
this episode was fiction. Not the episode targeted fat loss was fiction. Yeah, it is. It is fiction. What are we going to talk about next time? Well, we're going to have to go and hit the bricks to our uh, social media and ask people what they want to hear about. We're also going to do a interview really soon with Wee Young, head researcher of MS at University of Calgary. So oh, that'd be cool. Trying to lock in a schedule with him. That'll be good. Really cool. So hopefully get some real fitness information. <laughs> some real fitness information. Yeah. So. yeah if you guys uh, have anything to say about this topic, hit us up on our, on our grams. Yeah. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Thank you for listening. Yeah.